on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. There's seven OU guys at the Combine, and we talk about what they need to do well in the National College Football Roundup. Mac Rhodes made some waves with some comments, and we have an update to the possible clock rule changes coming to college football, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, March 1st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of March, all you have to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, it's March, man. My goodness, time flies. It's trucking on, isn't it? We are, uh, we're rolling right along. We, we got spring football coming up here at the end of March, but yeah, spring break is close. It's wild. It is wild, and we can still hold out hope that Porter Moser's guys Make a nice run in the Big 12 tournament, huh? Come on. Positivity, right? Come on. Yeah, we got we got the W over ISU. We'll see if they can uh can move forward. Like the Big 12 tournament's gonna be their last hope. We we know that Jenny Baranchek's squad is gonna be in the women's tournament. So at least we'll have something to root for, right? Yeah. We got we got Diamond Sports kicking up as well. Right. Softball just uh Reclaim the uh, the number one spot, not from every voter, but from uh, most of the voters. Yeah. All right, let's get into the OU football stuff. And very, I wouldn't say very rarely, but rarely do we dive into things that kind of set OU Twitter ablaze. But this one was so very stupid that I felt we needed to talk about it. It's one of the dumbest takes I've ever seen on Twitter in the sports world. And I do not know Peter Bukowski at all, right? He's the guy that covers the Green Bay Packers. I, I don't know him. He may be fantastic at what he does. But he had one of the worst takes I've ever seen. And if you haven't seen this, make sure you're sitting down. If you're driving right now, you may want to pull over. 
because this man, Peter Bukowski, said, quote, Adrian Peterson was an incredible collegiate player and became an incredible NFL player. He was not a generational running back prospect. I don't know when else you need to hear. I think he meant what else you need to hear there. I think that's what our man Peter was going for. Adrian Peterson, not a general running back prospect coming out of high school, Ted. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. I think whenever you, whenever you, the, the word gets thrown around a lot, like a generational prospect at quarterback or at running back or at defensive line. I think maybe it gets thrown around a little bit too much, but Adrian Peterson is like the definition of what a generational prospect is. Like, He's one of a handful handful of guys that is a generational prospect that probably, not probably, could have skipped college altogether and gone directly to the NFL and been absolutely fine. Like That is the definition of a generational prospect. The craziest thing about this is, and I guess I didn't research it, but it feels like this is like such an un- needed take it's like walking a mile out of out of the way of where you are going to kick a hornet's nest right for no reason i i i do not understand it and, and there's some context around it but when it comes down to it the man said adrian peterson was not a generational running back prospect that's insane because it seems like everyone in their dog agreed when he was coming out of the state of texas that he was like the most incredible running back anyone had ever seen at the high school level. I remember, I remember his highlight tape. It was like the most jaw dropping thing you had ever seen. Like it almost felt like it needed one of those parental parental warnings on it. Yeah. Like, Oh, Oh my God. Like that is, that is violent and gross. It, it, everything about it was unbelievable. Well, what's funny is that I haven't seen his high school one, but I imagine it looks about the exact same as college one and about the exact same as his NFL one, right? I mean, yeah. it's just, <laughs> that's, that's what that type of prospect is. It really doesn't matter what the playing field is. It looks the same. Well, one of the things it's like, okay, well, maybe he's got a point. Maybe he struggled his freshman year. Well, clearly all OU fans remember Adrian Peterson's freshman year. Just a casual 1,925 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns. Uh, he walked out of high school onto the field. And remember, the Big 12 was, and obviously, you know, you had just gotten done at OU. Like the Big 12 was arguably the best conference in college football at that point in time. Put a, a team in the championship three straight years. Uh, 03, 04, and 05, and Texas won it in 05. So, I, he, yeah. And he walked into that conference and did that. And what if he didn't have what well, he probably could have won the Heisman Trophy? Maybe should have. Probably should have. If he as didn't, a true freshman, Jason White split votes a bit. I mean, this is truly one of the dumbest sports takes I've ever seen. And now one of the points that Bukowski was trying to make was that I guess Reggie Bush had gotten drafted higher. What was that the year before? 
and that Darren McFadden had gotten drafted higher than Adrian Peterson the year after, but who cares? I mean, what? I just has nothing. It has zero to do with it. If, if, if you are, if you're basing your take off of where someone got drafted, it, it it's null and void. That doesn't even, it doesn't even register you like draft position, especially at running back. It's not the highest value of spots. Now it was high valued higher then, but you just never know how the draft falls. If, if I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example. Let's say the Kansas City Chiefs have the the second pick. Um, the Bills have the third pick, and I don't know. Um, the Baltimore Ravens have the fourth. Maybe that's a bad one with uh, Lamar up. But I'm saying it's like if if two or three offensive linemen go before you, and then the quarterback goes number five you can't say that well you know he wasn't a number one overall pick well the you don't know what the teams that are picking at those spots have on their rosters like just because he's there doesn't mean that running back is a need for those teams just it's so stupid it's like it's the it's like the most like base level take of like what i would expect someone who's like never even looked at or covered the sport you look at Adrian Peterson's draft, just looking at the people that went ahead of him in the draft. He was the seventh pick back in 07. First pick, Jamarcus Russell. Not great, but hey, quarterback, right? Quarterback need, right? Team quarterback, quarterback need, need there for the Raiders. Uh, number two and number three. This guy's turned out pretty good. They're both first ballot Hall of Famers, Calvin Johnson and Joe Thomas. Then four, yep. five, six, you've got Gaines Adams. No clue. Levi Brown. Remember him a little bit, offensive tackle. And LaRon Landry to Washington at six. None of those are obviously very needs oriented picks. I I don't know. There, there's just no case to be made, even when you look at Adrian Peterson's draft. It's not like another running back went before him in the draft. Right. I just, it's an insane take. I can't believe we're spending this much time on it because it's <laughs> so, it's so stupid, but it just triggered me so hard. Well, I don't know. I guess, I don't know. I, here's the thing. Nobody agreed with him. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't need to, I don't need to, I feel, I don't feel like I need to convince anyone out there. I think pretty much everyone knows. The dude uh, was knocking on the door of 2,000 yards rushing in both college and the NFL. So I'd say uh, I'd say the, the proof is in the pudding with Adrian Peterson. Guy came back after like a month, like a month after he tore his ACL. It <laughs> right. just tore up the NFL. Yeah, not generational prospect, though. Okay, man. If, if you want to go tell Peter Bukowski he's an idiot, I highly suggest doing it. And... <laughs> The the quote tweets on that quality reading material if you haven't gone through those. Okay, let's move on to the OU Coaches Clinic. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And there's really, there's a couple of things to talk about here. And it's going to be April 13th and 14th. Ted, did you see who the keynote speakers are going to be? I did. <laughs> I did. So for those of you, for those of you that haven't listened to our recap episode after the Cotton Bowl a few years ago, when OU dismantled Florida, I cannot recommend it enough. Some would say Teddy went all the way in on Dan <laughs> Mullen for uh, for his comments after the game. And would you look at that? April 13th, keynote speaker at the OU Coaches Clinic, the one, the only, Dan Mullen. Now, I have all the respect in the world for Brent Venables. I know you have all the respect in the world for Brent Venables. We have all the respect in the world for everyone on that staff, right? Because we know what the time, the effort, the energy that goes into coaching college football. But should we register and heckle the absolute hell out of Dan Mullen the whole time? We We're should. not coaches, but I guarantee you we could still register. We should. I'm I'm guessing he's uh he's speaking offense and not media relations. Is that what he's doing or I I will say this. Dan Mullen does have a tremendous reputation when it comes to drawing up offense. Now, yes. he he has clearly gotten better with the media because he does a pretty nice job on ESPN. He's He's been better than I thought he was going to be, for sure. I, I think he's gotten a lot more comfortable. And a guy that has that coaching experience, like he can bring some serious perspective and knowledge to, to discussions when it comes to college football. But... It is kind of funny that he's one of the keynote speakers. I immediately thought of you and I was like, oh my God, Teddy, that would be so fun. Oh, that's great. Question in the back. Question in the back. What the hell was that press conference after the Cotton Bowl? Okay. Oh my gosh. Hey, you know, um, I, I still think that the way he handled that press conference is about as amateurish as i've seen from a college football coach um i will say this give the guy credit for saying what he thinks you know i i guess is you know it was, it's it's one way to handle it but yeah i don't know i as soon as i saw that all i could do was laugh pretty funny yeah now while that one certainly caught my attention the keynote speaker on april 14th is the one that Caught a lot of OU fans' attention. Jim Leonard was just I it was at Wisconsin for forever. He's Mr. Wisconsin, right? New staff comes in. 
it seems like Jim Leonard was going to be retained as the defensive coordinator there by Luke Fickle. Something went awry, sounded just from some of the things we've heard. Jim Leonard not particularly happy with maybe some things that were promised to him that ended up not happening. And now all of a sudden, he's the keynote speaker at an OU coaches clinic. A lot of OU fans out there that wouldn't mind seeing Jim Leonard take over as the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. This uh, this is interesting. Now, maybe BV and Jim Leonard just have an awesome relationship. I, I don't know. I assume that all great defensive coordinators just know each other. But, yeah, that one I was reading, I was like, oh, oh, really? Okay. I Am I making too much of this? I know I am. I know I am. Uh, I guess you never know. Um, I've got a couple of, couple of takes on this. Number one, um, I was told by a close friend of Jim Leonard's that he was so mad at Wisconsin that he is not going to coach until they pay him all of the money that they owe him. Um, (laughs) number one, uh, Number two, I, while I think Jim Leonard is an excellent defensive coordinator and you can look at all the all the stats and everything that he's done at Wisconsin, I don't think he wants to be the defensive coordinator for Brent Venables. Like, that is a – not that Venables can't, you know, be hands-off and step back, but that would be – that would be new for Venables to step back and be hands-off, like – I think he not only do I think he's is as good as it comes whenever it comes to uh putting together defense but I I think that's what makes him special. I think that is what he loves to do and that's what keeps him engaged in the job. So I I guess you can't ever rule anything out, but I don't I don't think it's a spot that I would see Jim Leonard taking. It I'm not sure a sideline can handle that much intensity. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just, and I, now I would pay good money to watch those two men just scream at each other. If something was going poorly defensively, that would be, I mean, that would be must see entertainment for me, but yeah, I think it's, I, I don't think Jim Leonard is going to be on the OU staff anytime soon. I, I do think that, having him in there and like Brent Venables being able to collaborate with him. Cause you, you got to assume that's going to happen, right? Sure. You're going to yep. get these two guys in a room. They're going to talk defense, right? It's and I'm sure they're going to be there for a couple of days, like for practice and, you know, just getting a, a view of things a little bit behind the scenes as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's obviously a great opportunity to, to pick these guys brain. Yeah. And I don't think it hurts at all to let one of the most talented defensive coordinators who's run one of the most successful defenses in college football for quite some time. I don't think it hurts to let him take a look. Yep. Right. Give his opinion, comment on things you're doing, comment on your personnel. I think that's valuable. And yeah. I, I think the same thing for Dan Mullen and offense. Like, I, I know that, I know a lot of OU fans probably still haven't gotten over the Cotton Bowl situation, but he also, he knows offense, right? 
I mean, he knows offense. He's had a lot of successful offenses throughout his coaching tenure. So I think the same thing could be said about the offensive staff and, and letting Dan Mullen take a look. But I would you you should call Venables and be like, hey, when you and Leonard meet, I want in. I just <laughs> I need all of I need all of the meatheads in one room together. I just want to be I just want to be near that whenever it goes down so I can uh I I don't know could could anyone even keep pace with that conversation um that would be something that, that, but it's cool I think it's awesome that they're coming in and I know that he's had several like former coaches you know guys come through and take a look at the program like he's always inviting people in to uh to peer in with um with an unbiased eye and, and give some feedback as to what they think of, of the operation. Yep. It's important. All right, let's move on. It is NFL combine week and the Sooners are sending seven to the NFL combine. Now Thursday is when the on-field work starts. So what, you know, you, you have all of the psychological testing, the wonderlick, the interviews, the medical check, all of that stuff for a couple days. And then you actually go do the drills on the field that everyone watches on TV. So Thursdays, D-line and linebackers. Friday is defensive backs and specialists. Saturday is QBs, wide receivers, and tight end. And then Sunday is offensive line and running backs. So got Eric Gray, Anton Harrison, Marvin Mims, Wanya Morris, Jalen Redmond, Michael Turk, and Braden Willis. Ted, when you look at the list, who like what what do you think is most important for some of these guys to show at the combine because it's the tape is the most important the interviews are extremely important the the background check all that stuff but these these the testing is important right it it may not be as important as as some people think it is but it's still a piece of the puzzle when it comes to the NFL draft yeah i would say the guys that i think right away maybe have the most to gain with some of the athletic stuff is Eric Gray, Marvin Mims, and Jalen Redmond. Um I think Eric Gray needs to needs to show that he's got some breakaway speed. Marvin Mims, I think, you know, a lot of people are going to see some great deep ball stuff with him. I think he needs to back like if he could go out there and blaze a 40 and back that up, I think NFL teams would take notice with that and you know, Redmond is a guy that the film is going to be really inconsistent, right? I mean, there's there's been some injury issues there. He's missed a ton of games. So there's going to be not red flags, but there's going to be um, there's going to be some things in there. But he's got some of the size and athleticism that if he were to go out and kind of break out of the defensive line group of where you kind of see all of the athletic numbers be – that he could end up maybe doing himself a lot of favors. I, I think Braid Willis is is going to just – I think he'll be right there at the top of all of the group and the tight ends and in all of those categories. So, I mean, I, I think that he's going to be right where he needs to. Yeah. Looking at I, – I agree with you. I think out of all seven guys, when you just talk about how they could help their draft positioning – with a good performance at the combine, I, I think the combine's most important for Jalen Redmond, right? Especially, clearly, the medical check is going to be extremely important for him. And maybe some teams look at his medical history and they say, "Hey, 
he's off our board. Uh, I mean, that's that's very possible. But he didn't really stand out at the Senior Bowl. He was he was a flash player throughout his career. So what can he do to really get teams' attention and to make teams go back and look at the tape and say, okay, I can see the flash here, the flash there. We can get the consistency out of him. So he's got to run well. He's got to bench well. Like he needs to, he needs to look like he's in shape and he's taking his preparation extremely seriously. And then, and this is something that we've talked to former OU coaches about, like, the interviews are going to be important for him. Like, how much does he yeah. love football? So yeah. I, I do think it's going to be a really important couple of days for him. And then I, I'm i interested to see how Anton Harrison tests. Uh, I'm interested. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I know Wanye Morris, the plan for him, because I've talked to his agent, is that he's going to do everything but bench. So Wanye's there. He's going to compete. And I love that. I, if Anton Harrison wants to be a first round tackle, I mean, go to the combine and compete. That's how I always viewed it. And I am, I'm interested in how just generally athletic he is. I want to see how he looks running the 40. I, I I do think out of all the things, the interviews are going to be huge for Anton Harrison, right? He's one of those guys that, over the years, we've talked and we've been like, is he is he even enjoying being out there? You know what I mean? But yeah. the the switch kind of flipped about midway through the 2022 season. And we started talking about it like, hey, he's starting to look like he's starting to look like a, a real dude at offensive tackle. I I really hope we get to see him do everything just because I I'm interested. He's he's not when you see him physically, you're not like, oh my God, look at that guy. So I think it would be beneficial for him to show some overall athleticism and, and that that could give teams a little more comfort, maybe taking him early in the draft. How where do you think he he um falls in the athletic spectrum of, of offensive tackles in the draft? I have because here's what I, I'm saying: It's like if, if if he's starting to be projected as high as he is, Kuiper like, has him going 13th overall to the Jets in his latest mock. I know. I I guess what I'm saying I'm I'm wondering like if 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 he goes out and athletically is, you know, maybe top third, or even just top 25 percent, like is. I guess I'm asking, is there a chance that maybe it hurts him more than it helps him? Like, if he was one of those guys that was a freak and was being picked, like, being expected to go 13, I would say go out there, blow it away, and you may find yourself being a top 10 pick. But I just I don't know where he falls if he's, like, one of those guys that could do that. So, on the scale of, let's put it in OU offensive lineman uh, terms. Let's put it in the OU offensive line spectrum. On the scale between Orlando Brown and Lane Johnson, when it comes yeah. to combine testing, I think he's probably in the middle of that. Right? I don't right. think he's going to come out and rip off a 4-7 or anything like that. And I don't think he's going to have a combine performance where you go, oh my God, what was that? Like Orlando's. Right. So 
I, I do think he will be about a, I don't know, average tester because we, I, I've watched every snap he's played at Oklahoma at least two or three times, right? On tape. I don't think I've ever gone, man, look at, look at how athletic he looks. Now, it's they they also they didn't do a ton of pin pull stuff. They didn't do a ton of outside zone stuff where he could show some more athleticism. I think he's more athletic than people think because sometimes it's it's hard to show a ton of athleticism when you're running a bunch of gap scheme stuff. It just is. Right. Or when you're stepping inside foot with mid zone or inside zone, whatever they want to call it, that they ran last year. I it's just difficult, but I don't think he's a guy that – I mean, I'd be surprised if all of a sudden we look up and it's like, hey, 475 for Anton Harrison. Right. Yeah. He's not a great – he's not a great body guy, but you're also – he's he's had a long time to train for this, and, and you never know. Maybe, maybe he is that type of athlete, and we just don't know. Yeah. Well – I don't know. I think he's in a really good spot one way or the other. Maybe, you know, handpick a couple of things that you're you're good at and leave the things that maybe you may struggle with a little bit on the side. Or, you know, hold off and do it all at your pro day where you're you're comfortable. You know, he's he's in one of those lucky spots where he's got the ability to kind of pick and choose what exactly it is he wants to do where 99% of the guys, they don't have a choice. They got to go out there and do what they can to show their best. But is he in that spot? Because, and and I know that the mock drafts are an inexact science, but, I mean, Kuyper's got him going 13th overall in his latest. And, like, every other one, whether it's Daniel Jeremiah or Todd McShay, like, he's not in the first-round mock. So that's where he's in. Yeah. I don't I don't really know what spot Anton Harrison is in, if that makes sense. Like I I always have thought like if if you're on the fence, man, go compete. Right? Don't be scared to go compete. But clearly he's gonna be getting advice from his agent and from people. I I don't know what we're gonna see from him, but I really hope he tests because I want to watch it. Yeah, well, I agree. I I um I would say like if you if you belong, you feel like you belong and you're really one of the the best players at your position, go show it. Like once you put it out there, there's really no denying it. If if you can go like if the film says what it says and you go out there and back it up with really, really solid numbers across the board, if you feel very confident that you could do that, you're healthy, everything feels good, your testing is has gone well, your training has gone well, go do it. I'm I'm with you, and you know you look at Wanya Morris, right? He's he's got all the physical measurables, right? And I think it was good. At, he came to the Senior Bowl. He was lighter than he had been. I, I think that he'll come in or right around that three fifteen, three twenty mark for the combine, which is which is good. I think the interviews are huge for him, right? You had the whole Tennessee situation. You had. He missed some games at Oklahoma. Like teams are going to want to know what the hell all that was about. Right. And he's another one of those guys. Like, Hey, how seriously are you going to take this? 
And he, he is a guy I think that, and I think Anton's the same way. I think Anton and Wanya both have the chance to be way better pro players than they were college players because they don't have to deal with all the other stuff, right? It's just ball. Yeah. So I, I think that I can see Wanya being one of those guys who kind of looks like he's running slow in the 40, but then the time pops up and you're like, whoa, okay. That's yeah. because he's got, you know, he's got those long strides. Yeah. It could be, it. I, I don't know, but if he wants to be a, you know, early round guy, got to have a good combine. He did some really good things at the senior bowl, but I, I tend to think like the interview process and all the psychological evaluation, all that stuff's going to be really huge for Wanya. Yeah. No, I think so too. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for both those guys. Um you know, it it I think we talked about this, like the, some of Wanye's stuff and how we performed at the senior bowl leaves you frustrated with some of the inconsistencies we, we saw throughout his career. But I think, you know, he may be one of those guys that's that's built a little bit more for the NFL and, and the way things the day to day of the NFL. So uh, I'm happy for him. I hope they both go out there and perform well. I hope they all perform well. And I think there's, I think we got a chance for uh, maybe a couple of breakout players within their their position groups. Yeah, I think Eric Gregg could be one of those guys. Yeah, I mean he came away from the Senior Bowl impressing a lot of people. And top end speed, straight line speed, whatever you want to call it, is overrated for the running back position. But it does feel like his 40 time could be the difference between him being an early day three guy and a day two guy, right? Because you watch the tape, the elusiveness is there. <laughs> I mean, you could, you, you see it, right? And he worked on his power, his lower body, a ton, like the, the power is there. The elusiveness is there, but the NFL, they want fast people, right? Yep. They want fast people, especially if he's not a starting, if he's not your starting running back, that means he's going to be a special teams guy. Yeah. So, and special teams coaches do not like slow people, Ted. <laughs> you you are, you are very aware of that. Yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, the bottom line is like, the question always comes up, like, how does the 40 actually translate to football? Who cares? It doesn't matter. The fact is that the people that are making the picks use it as an evaluation and, if you can go out there and set yourself apart from the rest of the group by running a really good time, then that's going to mean something. If you can maybe uh, go out and not necessarily be the fastest in your position group, but prove that it's not a weakness that could, you know, make someone who was maybe on the fence about you say, okay, here we, we want this guy. Here's where we'll take him. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, you got to just kind of play the game and go out there and, and do what you can to blaze the best time you, you can uh, put out there. Yeah. I, you you mentioned Braden Willis. I, this is his time to shine, baby. Yeah. Th this is where we need to see full-on weight room Willie. Uh, he's, he's a workout warrior. We know he's going to interview well, right? He did such a good job, you know, dealing with us throughout his career at OU, became – pretty much the vocal leader of the team in his senior or in his last season in 2022, but he's got to go out there and, and make some waves, man. And he, he's strong as hell. He's fast. So hopefully he, he performs the way that he should. And then 
Marvin Mims going to be undersized, right? So if you're an undersized wide receiver, you got to be fast as hell. So that 40 time, I'm interested to see what it looks like. Also that three cone time, right? Because I, I think a lot of, a lot of wide receiver coaches pay attention to that change of direction, all that stuff. But yeah, I think teams will be interested in his weight as well, but what does he weigh? And at that weight, what's that 40 time looking like? That's, that's kind of the story of the combine for Marvin. You got any idea what range he's in for 40? He's got to be a 4-4 guy, right? Well, yeah. I, low, he's I think to... it, low 4-4 is super, super fast. At the if you can if you run low four four at the combine, you're you're doing something. You're if you blazing. Click off, if you can click off of a four three like a high, just get into that range, then you've accomplished something special. Yeah. So it's NFL Combine Week, Ted. Uh, are you prepared to fire up NFL Network and just sit and watch for hours upon hours? I'm more of a, I'll catch the clips that everyone thinks are interesting type of guy. Okay. I'm more just have it on all day type of guy. I'm like a, I'll crowdsource the, the interesting moments that I need to see. That's kind of how I go about it. That's a good way of doing it. (laughs) I, I do like, I do like the discussions that take place on the broadcast. I always find those highly entertaining. Oh yeah. It's, Best of luck to all those guys, man. Yeah. It's it's extremely stressful. Brutal. And still crazy that the NFLPA is, I don't know how far they're pursuing it, but has mentioned the fact that maybe they should do away with it. I I could almost guarantee that's never going to (laughs) happen. I know. There's no way. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys who has the most to gain out of the seven OU guys at the NFL combine. This first answer comes from Matt, a bear who says Braden Willis, his tape has shown his motor effort and versatility. Now teams will get an up close look at his physical abilities. They'll also shine in any team interview. He gets great opportunities here to catch the attention of a lot of teams. I think Matt sums it up pretty damn well right there, Ted. Well, you know, there, there's there's some guys on here that have, like, Anton Harrison has an incredible ceiling. Wanya Morris has an incredible ceiling. But if you want a guy that what you see is what you get every single day, you know the level of play you're going to be, a guy that's versatile, that can play special teams, that can play multiple spots on offense. Like, I don't know that there's, like, this type of, of player is so incredibly valuable to a football team, not going to really get all of the attention and, and it'd be the biggest star and who knows like what, what, what could happen. You go to the place with a great quarterback, but these guys are the, like the, the concrete, the, the rebar, I guess is, is better of a, of a football team. This it's what holds everything together together and gives it the real strength limited roster you need versatile players, and that's what Braden Willis is. Like, I don't know how high he could get drafted. Like, because you got to, there's a breakover point in the draft where it goes from a guy that could do a lot of things for us, could play a lot of football for us. Like, there's a breakover point where it's got to be about high, high end production. And 
Like, I don't know really where that ceiling is for him draft wise, but I know it's going to reinforce what everyone has said about him and to get in front of all those people, um, interview, show that he's, he's a excellent athlete. Uh, I, I, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. This other one comes from Steven Ferguson. He says, Marvin Mims, I haven't seen him on anyone's top 10 wide receivers list. It was a mistake to leave early. He's going to have to shine. Whoa. Now, I'm going to take Steven's word for it that he's been looking at a bunch of big boards and all that stuff, and he hasn't seen Mims in the top 10 on anyone's. I find that kind of hard to believe, but could very much be true. But yeah, I think that Mar- Marvin has to run really, really well, right? That he he has to check that box, and if he doesn't, that would be very detrimental to his draft status. I mean, it just would. So it's it's a huge week for him. I I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Right. Well, here's the here's the reality at wide receiver. Wide receiver is probably the most competitive position in the NFL, you know, you, if you take offensive line, for example, it's incredibly competitive, but there is a very, very limited amount of human beings walking the face of the planet that match the characteristics that you need to play offensive tackle. There are tons of, of people that match the description of wide receiver. There are fast guys everywhere. There are athletic guys in that height weight range everywhere. There's not a whole lot of separation. So if, if you're not a guy that's on the upper end of like size at that position or the upper end of speed at that position, you can get lost in the mix really quickly and it shouldn't be this way, but it is. The lower you get drafted, the less priority there is to keep you around on the team. You know, like if you're kind of middle of the road, it's, you know, sometimes like the GM's, his job's on the line, right? If he takes a guy high, he wants to keep that guy around, you know? And if they can find value in a guy that was undrafted and, say that they found a diamond in the row. I mean, it's just, it's a really hard spot. It's hard. What five guys on the, they keep five on the roster usually. Yeah. So here's the hope. And Marvin blazes that 40 baby. Yeah. Cause he's, he's an awesome dude. So I hope that, uh, hope it goes well for him. All right, let's get to the national college football roundup. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon across the country. The Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler print their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious, delicious 
Java Hungary. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life and better yourself comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. Opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. All right, National College Football Roundup. Realignment never sleeps, Dad. It just keeps on coming and keeps on coming. And last episode, we talked about the Pac-12's issues when it comes to their inability to get a media rights deal done. Well, Baylor Athletic Director Mac Rhodes made some comments to our buddy David Smoke this week that let's say, uh, made some waves. Here are a couple of Mac Rhodes's quotes. I am not rooting for the demise of any particular conference, but I'm also looking out for what is best for Baylor, and what is best for Baylor is a really strong Big 12, and that secures its future, but not over just the next six years, but beyond. He also added, there is a short gain, but also a long gain for this. It is dependent on what happens among the Pac-12 there may be movement if whatever media deal they are able to strike is not satisfactory. We have to be prepared for that, and I think that we are if that is what happens. Ooh, a, an athletic director speaking on record about the possible demise of the Pac-12, Ted. This is juicy, baby. I love it. Yeah. Um we have to be prepared for that, and I think we are if that was to happen. They got a plan, man. He said, you said know. it straight up. They already know, right? I feel like already everyone already knows. Like I, I don't know what, what exactly is going to happen, but you've heard Oregon and Washington. Uh, what's going on there? I These comments, what we've heard your mark say, I feel like everyone already knows what's going to happen. They're just waiting for that moment to for the the first little crack to to show, and then it's boom. And I think it's going to happen fast. Like we've said, it feels like everything needs and everyone wants it all to be in place before the twenty twenty four season with the expanded playoff. It's how it feels, and to me, because Macro's also added this about they asked him about how he would feel about a media rights deal where the primary partner was a streaming service. And he said, it would be disappointing to be quite frank where I go first is the brand of the conference, which means impact on recruiting. I feel like every single one of these statements that Mac Rhodes is putting out there, it almost feels like a message to whatever PAC 12 schools that they want. It's like, Hey, Remember, we're here for you if that if that media rights deal isn't good enough. Remember, hey, remember how the streaming stuff could affect your recruiting. Like it just feels like very pointed messaging to and, and I'm not sure what schools it is. Maybe it's the four corner schools, right? The Arizona schools, Utah. I I don't know. But it feels like Mac Rhodes is having conversations with Brett Yormark and the other leaders in the Big 12 conference. 
And then he's putting that messaging out there for every Pac-12 administrator and leader, like for all of them to see. It, I mean, it's it's not a coincidence, man, right? It can't be a coincidence. Nope. There, there's no doubt. And dude, I agree. Uh, even if it's Apple or if it's Amazon, which I'm not like Amazon's not been mentioned, but they're streaming. They're starting to get into the streaming sports still. A- Amazon is now in the fold. They have been yeah. a lot of people think it may end up the Pac-12's media rights deal may be some combination of Amazon and ESPN. That's kind of the latest update. They may they may pay a lot of money for it because they've got money to blow, but that you do not want to be on streaming. Just think about the difference in in ratings. How many people across the country get up on Saturday morning and turn it to ESPN to see what game is on? I, everyone knows when their team's game is, but they don't necessarily know where all the other games are. So the only only stream, the only people that watch your game are the people that are going directly to that game on the streaming service and. It's it's just it's a much smaller number than casual fans that get up, turn ESPN, flip through the the channels, and oh, I didn't know, I didn't know USC was playing Oregon State this week. This should be a good game, and we'll see what Caleb Williams looks like. And they leave it on there and watch it. You won't get any of that on streaming, or maybe you you'll get less of that on streaming than you would otherwise. You certainly get less, especially right. You're talking about the streaming services that aren't associated with Fox or ESPN. Right. Right. And, and some people have cut the core and they watch that through apps and all that stuff. But I wake up, I turn on ESPN to watch college game day. And sometimes, and I, I'll flip over to big noon kickoff. If like, if you're the game coming on after those and it's a good game, I'm just going to leave it on that channel. How many people watch three games at the same time by flipping back and forth by who has the ball and what the score is? And it's just, it's everybody you, does. Yeah. It's, you just can't really compete with that. Streaming is, it's such a pain. Like, even on streaming, and I don't, maybe everyone doesn't have this problem. Streaming se- seems to be a larger problem for me than it is everyone else. I, I don't, it's, it's even more difficult just to rewind something really quick. Like, oh my God, did you see that hit? It's like, there's this panic about losing your place and then will it ever catch back up? It's just, I don't know. I'm, I like streaming for a lot of things. Live sports is not one of them. I look at, I, I was the, the comment Mac Rhodes had about recruiting really stood out to me. And, and just imagine, you know, Oregon and Washington are the big brands out there in the PAC 12. Now that you USC and UCLA are gone. Right, they're they're the two that everyone says, okay, are they going to the Big Ten? Are they staying? Will the Pac-12 give them, you know, an unequal distribution to stay? But I'm just imagining Dan Lanning, and I know that Oregon's got their NIL stuff up and running, and they're doing a great job with all that. I get that, but just imagine Dan Lanning trying to get a top prospect from like Louisiana or Florida, or Texas even, right? Oregon's a long way from those states. So 
you sit in those parents' living rooms and you go, hey, come to Oregon. We got this, 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 and this. And then the parents go, well, aren't most of your games on Apple TV Plus? Do, do we get a free login to watch our son? Like, is that something you provide or do I have to like sign up or like, just imagine that conversation and having to navigate that. If you're one of these coaching staffs, it sounds like an absolute nightmare. It, it makes it feel for lack of a better term, like amateurish almost like, wait, your, your main media partner is not linear cable. Yeah. and maybe maybe the Pac-12 ends up landing a deal that is better than we all think it's going to be, right? Maybe ESPN changes their mind and gives them gives them something. I I, I don't see that happening, but it it will have a large effect on their recruiting because this just in kids want to have people watching them play, and. Yeah. If you don't have a big deal with Fox or ESPN right now in the college football space, not many people are going to watch you play. And that could include your parents if you can't afford making all those trips, right? So that's, I mean, the recruiting part of it is, it's really interesting. And it makes me think that some of these brands in the Pac-12 that take this stuff really seriously, like Oregon are probably looking at all this going, we need to get the hell out of here. Well, imagine trying to negotiate a deal for a group of people where you know that a portion of the group of people don't want to be there, right? Washington, and Oregon, specifically Oregon, we know that Bill Knight was actively trying to get Oregon out, right? So I, there is no unity. Not only is there no unity, but everyone in the country is saying right now about the big the Pac-12's done. It's gonna it's gonna fracture. It's over. Oregon and Washington are gone. Like when everyone is basically predicting your demise that's not a very good place to be at at the negotiating table when you're trying to get top dollar right because you know that the the people across from you are saying eh, we're worried that it's not going to work we're worried that there's you know you don't have everyone in the on the same page that number just seems too high whenever there's there's this much up in the air. It's it's impossible to no, negotiate whenever they're in the the situation they are. It it doesn't seem like a good situation. You're asking for a handout is what you're asking for. Yeah, and you've got a Big 12 athletic director. L- listen, Matt Rhodes is a smart guy. And he's done a really nice job at Baylor. Right? And he we have him on the serious uh my serious XM show all the time. The fact that he's willing to even talk about this stuff, right? As opposed, because he could have said, hey, I don't want to talk about any of that. That's the Pac-12's business, like all that stuff. He, he was just firing off answers left and right. It may tell you where the Big 12 feels like they stand in this entire thing. Yeah. No, I I, I fully expect something to happen and and happen 
by the end of this summer, right? It's how it feels, man. If not quicker. Ugh. You got that? Like you combine that and and Florida State starting to pipe up a little bit. Like, Clemson. It could be it could be an interesting six months we have ahead of us. Yeah. Realignment never sleeps. But you know the nice thing about this? Uh, unless something changes drastically, we don't have to worry about this anymore. We don't have uncertainty. Like, can you imagine being like the the Oregon states and the Washington states of the world? I mean, it's. I'd be very, very stressed if I was a fan of those programs. Not clearly, not to mention like coaches and players. Like, but if you're I was an uh, AD, I mean, wh- where are you going? It feels like you're about to float off into irrelevance if you are an Oregon State fan. Yeah. That's how it feels right now. And that that cannot be a good feeling. Meanwhile, we're making the move next year to the most stable, secure situation possible. And that's one thing I was thinking about when I was reading some of Mac Rhodes' quotes and thinking about the Pac-12 situation and what those players and coaches and administrators and fans are dealing with, it just reminds me, hey, Sooners may lose some more games in the SEC, but it was the right move. The stability, the certainty of being in that conference moving forward, what it means, it was the right move. It was the right move because you you do not have to worry about this moving forward. Yeah. It's tough. I I don't know what their conference payout is right now, their distribution, but I the Mountain West, I I don't I don't know what other options that they're gonna have. I don't I don't know like the I, I doubt the Big Ten like USC, UCLA, Oregon and Washington, that's a pretty damn good group of four to be adding to your conference. Right? It's essentially all of the eyeballs of the Pac-12, you know? I mean, th- when you're talking about large fan bases and, and teams that, you know, have the a, a bit of history and, and that rate well on television, like, I just – I don't know how willing they're going to be to take the scraps with it. And I hate to say that, you know, I think Washington State, Oregon State actually turned into pretty good teams here recently, but they just – they don't rate. They don't have eyeballs. They don't have big fan bases. And I just – I don't know how willing they're into the charity of of bringing these schools along just because. Yep. Going to be an interesting few months, man. I know. But we're going to the SEC. We don't care about everything else. Come on. <laughs> It'll uh, be interesting for them. For yeah, the we're, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Okay, one more thing I wanted to cover. So a few episodes ago, we talked about possible – clock rule changes coming to college football and Ted, it looks like these are going to happen this season. Uh, So the NCAA football secretary rules, editor and officials coordinator. What a damn title. (laughs) Talk to Heather Dinich and reveal the rules committee and competition committee for college football are meeting jointly this week in Indianapolis and they're discussing three possible rule changes that could be implemented this 
season. So we're talking 2023. These may happen. So the three are the clock running after a first down, except for inside the final two minutes of a half. Teams not being able to con- to call consecutive team timeouts and not having an untimed down if there's a penalty on the last play of the first or third quarter. Now, the rules committee is expected to make and propose rule changes publicly on Friday. And then the playing rules oversight panel, all of these titles are just upset. Like, there's just too much going on. But the playing rules oversight panel will then have to approve them in April. So it, Ted, with how quickly this has come together, it feels like this is happening, right? Yeah, I think it's going to happen. Uh, I don't think, it doesn't seem like there's going to be much doubt, especially whenever they tag it with, we're doing this for player safety, which I don't think they really are doing it for player safety, but it's an interesting way to, to, to label it to get everyone to be on board. Oh, you don't like player safety? You want it to be more dangerous for the players? You want you want them to play more plays? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You want them yeah. to have more ex- the, the new word, the buzzword is exposures. Right. Throw that yeah. out there. You throw the word exposures out there and it makes it makes it feel like you really care about the kids. Yeah. Well, um I think it's I think it's all going to pass and I think it's going to affect some like I don't think it's going to affect Oklahoma's length of games almost at all. Um, other teams that operate at a slower pace, it will affect the length of those games. Like Oklahoma, for the most part, when we get a first down, guess what? We're snapping the damn ball right away. You know, um, other teams get a first down, regroup, change some personnel, huddle up, uh, figure out what it is exactly we're going to do get back out there, okay, some time has actually elapsed between the end of the last play and this one. For us, like, the first down, the clock doesn't really matter. That's an opportunity for us to hit the gas and go. Yeah, I I think the biggest effect it'll have, there'll be a few less plays a game. The biggest effect it'll have will be on that that official that has to spot the ball and then run backwards while winding the clock. He doesn't have to do that anymore. Good for him. I wish they would just calm the hell down on spotting the ball like it's not your job to go breakneck speed to spot the football for the offense Uh, you should operate at the same speed at all times if they want to go super fast like you don't need to help them go fast Uh, you spot the ball at your speed spoken like a true defensive guy you meanwhile, know what I'm saying I, though, right? I I know, but meanwhile, I would be the center, like spot the damn ball. <laughs> That's what I would be doing. I'd be screaming at him. Meanwhile, you'd be telling him to slow down, and then we'd probably just end up yelling at each other. I'm the uh, I'm the guy that used to stand in front of the defense to call the huddle and accidentally back into the football and knock it yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> oh oh, did I did I move it? That's my, oh sorry, that's my I didn't bad. know you guys said it there. I, I'm the guy that puts my hand on the ball and then moves it a full yard forward. <laughs> but at these rule changes, it's going to be, it's going to be a trial and error type situation, right? What, what type of real impact are these rules going to have on game length, on play counts, and some of the quotes from from Heather Dinich's article? It's this is not 
this is not something that where these get changed and then that's that. Like they're going to continue to reevaluate how these affect the game as a whole. So it's, it, it's. I, I think it's going to be a good change, personally. I, and I really think the only rule that's going to have much of an effect on games is the one where clock's running uh, after a first down, except for the last two minutes of the half. And I love, I love the fact that they kept the 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 clock stopping in the last two minutes because it creates more excitement at the end of games. And that's why I, I, I think the NFL should do it too. I think it would create more excitement. I, it's, it's very similar to how I think about college basketball. You should be able to call timeout and advance the ball in the last minute of the game. Like it, it, it would make more. It would create more exciting situations. So, I'm Did, all for it. Not to get off on a tangent, but the rule changes that women's basketball made in college has helped their game out tremendously. And they adopted most, I think they can advance, right? On timeout. All I know is that it makes no sense that the men still play halves. It's so stupid. (laughs) It's crazy, but hey, you know, some of the, I I get like with college football, instead of just flat out adopting the NFL rule, like I know you and I are kind of on board with that. There is like the uniqueness of the clock stopping and, and being able to like you're not you're in a game longer in college than you are in the NFL. And I think that is that's what people want, right? They want more chance for more drama at the end of a game. Yeah. You're you if you don't have timeouts late in a college game, even with this new rule change, you still got a chance. Mm-hmm. It's really hard unless you have Patrick Mahomes. It's really hard to put the drive together you need uh, without timeouts in the last minute of the game in the NFL. It just is. But I am curious as to how the rule change with the clock running after first downs, how it's going to change how teams play. Because I could see teams going two complete opposite philosophies. I could see teams trying to go super hyper tempo to rack up the play count, right? And then I could see teams going, you know what? Let's control this whole damn game. Let's run the rock. Let's just, let's bleed the clock. And let's win games 14 to 7. For the ones that can. yeah. For the ones that can do it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I feel like Kansas State is going to just be. (laughs) Thank God we're not going to have to play them anymore moving forward. Uh, thing of beauty, thing of beauty. I still say proposal must huddle outside of uh two or I would I would even give it four minutes outside of four minutes left in a in a half. I would not mind that at all. It would it lets you say a lot more on the broadcast, and we need more of that in our lives. Come on, <laughs> yeah, man. Right. I need the analysis. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSS AA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, 
and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, in the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I hope we haven't hit this, but um, got on it yesterday a little bit and um, just think it's think it's awesome. Orlando Brown Jr. is one of the top free agents available. Um, now, it sounds like Kansas City may hit him with the tag, um, which, you know, I, you always want the – the full contract, right? Where you've got multi-year, you get a ton of money guaranteed, but there's worse things than playing a year that is fully guaranteed no matter what. Um, he is the top offensive line free agent. He's the top free agent available other than uh, a couple of quarterbacks that are out there, and that's just a positional thing. He bet on himself. Whenever the Ravens wanted him to play right tackle, he wanted to play left. He said, trade me, bet on himself, went to Kansas City, played out of his mind just like we expected, and is now set to make a ton of money at left tackle and sign. It's a good time to be signing a a long-term contract if he's able to negotiate that and, and avoid the tag. But even the tag I got to imagine is going to be somewhere probably north of $20 million for uh, a fully guaranteed for one year. Right. Yeah. I, I would assume that he's going to be just fine here. I got it right here. Offensive line looking like 18.2. That'll work. Do they just, do they not do it by left tackle? They do it by offensive just line the position. Yeah. So it's what is the average of the top five at the position? Something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I, you would you would imagine that Brett Veach and the Chiefs want want to get a deal done. I don't know why they wouldn't young tackle like him. I mean, yeah. Now, not the most athletic guy in the world, right? But made a bunch of Pro Bowls. I I think that I. From just from the conversation that I've had with OB about it, really liked it in Kansas City. Um, you certainly want to make Patrick Mahomes happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's definitely something you're looking to do. So, I would assume 
they can get a deal done. I would assume that Orlando wants a big guaranteed number, right? And the thing about him is he's been extremely durable, mm-hmm. right? He's not a guy that misses games. Like he's, he's been on the field playing all the snaps. So while I, he's not the most, like he's not Trent Williams, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But he'd been damn good, man. You're right. He's about to get paid. I'll tell you what's crazy. You go to that Spotrack or whatever that website is, and it's got his calculated market value. It it's a five year, one hundred and twelve million dollar contract. So that's pretty daggum good. (laughs) Average yearly of twenty two point four. I yeah, I would assume that. Orlando is, I, I would assume his representation is pushing for him to be the highest paid tackle in the NFL, right? That's their job. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I perform, get me paid. But yeah, I would expect him coming in somewhere between 21, around the 21 mark per year. Mm-hmm. But then again, hey, the cap keeps going up. So keeps maybe, up. Right, maybe he know. resets the market. That's possible. Not to say that you're necessarily better than this guy, but we live in a different world than when that guy signed his contract. It is what it is, man. That's I I would assume that's what Orlando's representation is saying. Or maybe he's negotiating his own contract. Who knows? You never know these days. Yep. But I uh I got a feeling they're gonna tag him and then work something out. Right? Yeah. You 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 want to give him that comfort. You want to give Mahomes that comfort as well. But good for Orlando. Let's once something happens, we'll get him back on the podcast. I'll bug him. I'll say, hey, you got to come on and talk about it. <laughs> yep. Well, good for him. It's a good place to be in. Correct. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Oh man. Um this is uh this is not one that I like doing. The the investigation around the the crash there after the national championship celebration with Georgia has uh, yielded some interesting results. Arrest warrants issued for Jalen Carter, who I guess was interviewed after the accident at some time and misled police as to what exactly went on. Um, Apparently, he was in another car and the car that had the four people, they were racing or um, at least, you know, both were uh, driving and following one another at an extreme high rate of speed, weaving in and out of traffic, passing other vehicles, driving on the wrong side of the road. And um, toxicology has come back and, and revealed that uh, not, not, good situation there with that and i guess the vehicle that that had the two deaths driving 104 miles an hour whenever they wrecked so uh it's tough young man has uh has the nfl draft coming up and obviously like that's not the main thing that we're talking about here we're focused on the the lives lost and what a tragedy it is but the the fact remains is that it you know, this is going to impact his future. And, you know, I don't know exactly what that impact is going to be. 
I am, I'm not a lawyer, but when you talk about reckless driving and arrest warrants being issued, I know that's not good. I know it's not good for a guy that a lot of people thought could go number one overall if the Bears just wanted to use that pick instead of trading it. Mm-hmm. This all hit about, what, less than an hour before he was supposed to speak at the NFL Combine? Yeah. It's because you, the day, because uh, defensive line, their on field drills are first, right? Thursday. So the day before you do on field drills, you do media. You sit up on the podium, you answer questions. People are going to have a lot of questions. Yeah. And as far as we're, we're recording this right after kind of all this stuff broke. And as I, I can't imagine he's going to speak publicly about it, but. It, it's a damn shame, man. Now he's not the first guy to do a, to make a bad decision, do something dumb behind the wheel of a car, right? Well, it makes and a to difference. Clarify, I didn't. He he's arrest warrants have been issued for racing and reckless driving. Right. He's not being charged with with any type of. Yeah. He wasn't in control of that vehicle. He was in control of the vehicle that he was in. Correct. And. It's not a great look, but I, I think it does affect his draft status, but how much? And that may sound bad, but we've seen throughout the years guys that have done really, really dumb things get drafted high. Mm-hmm. And this is this is tragic because people lost their lives as a result of this situation, but time and time again and it sounds bad but time and time again we've seen guys that have done stupid things some guys that have done horrible things get chance after chance after chance in the National Football League because it comes down to what you can produce on the field Yeah, and Jalen Carter is without a doubt one of the most talented players in this draft so will it take him out of the top five? I I don't know. If it makes him slide a little bit, it's it's gonna cost him a ton of money, right? Because if you get picked third versus getting picked eighth, that's millions and millions and millions of dollars. The guy already has to live with the fact that Two people died with whatever they were doing, racing, messing around, whatever that was. You got to live with that for the rest of his life. One of the guys was his teammate. So he's got to carry that with him, and there may end up being some some severe financial consequences as a result of this when it comes to his draft position. And then I don't even I don't even know what the legal piece is. Yeah. I assume he doesn't have to serve any time or anything like that. It'll be a plea with I don't know community service and a fine or something I, I, I don't know I'm just guessing it could, could be a lengthy suspended license yeah uh, you know it's the NFL has had some issues with this type of incident in the recent past so I mean like with that on on some people's minds also like maybe it's a bigger hit to his draft position than then we may think. I I don't know. All I know is he 
He's going to have to rehab his image a bit. A big deal was made about something Todd McShay had in his evaluation of Jalen Carter, but there were some character issues and there were a lot of people saying character issues. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Clearly McShay knew something was coming. Yeah. And now everyone's going, Oh, okay. But on what was supposed to be one of the more exciting two day stretches of his life, it's got to feel like the world's caving in for Jalen Carter right now. Yep, it's tough, um, but I don't know. We'll see how it unfolds for him and, and uh, see how that process plays out. Just was uh, was interesting to see that kind of hit the news today. Wasn't on my radar at all. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people down in Georgia knew, and, you know, there's obviously some other people had, had, had some idea what was coming, but that was uh, that was something that I, I didn't expect at all. Yep. No, it's uh... – Tough, tough situation, man. We'll see. We'll see how it ends up playing out. But yeah, not good. Not good. They're just it's that entire situation now is just it's even worse. <laughs> it's even worse. All right. Let's get to my winner and loser. But first. John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated, and they've got nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequal service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them. All you have to do is get the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong, then any of the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. People, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com. For more information. All right. For my winner of the week, thought about going with Kansas basketball, mm. beat Texas Tech, guarantees them a share of the Big 12 title, can win it outright if they beat Texas this weekend. Bill Self has won 17 Big 12 titles in the last 19 seasons at Kansas. It's insane, man. It's so. The, they're so good all the time. It's so annoying. <laughs> but that... In what a lot of people consider almost year in, year out to be the best conference in basketball. Yeah. It, it's not just like they're a they're, you know, big fish in a small pond. It's incredibly competitive. Yeah, especially over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. It they just just did it again. Gonna be a one seat again. Damn you, Bill Self. I also thought about going with one of our favorite guys, Ted. We love us some Will McDonald from Iowa State. 
And we've expressed our love for him on this podcast quite a few times. Mm -hmm. Turns out Mel Kuyper loves him too. Mel Kuyper just put out his latest mock draft. We talk about how he's got Anton Harrison coming, going number 13 to the Jets. He's got Will McDonald going number eight overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Whoa. Wow. Length, pass rushing ability, maybe two top 10 defensive linemen from the Big 12? Could it be? Whoa. Crazy. Yeah, no, but I and I've talked to some people. Keep your eye on Will McDonald's vert at the combine. Supposedly, supposedly, and remember, this is a guy that is 6'5", 6'4", 6'5", insanely long arms, should be in the upper 240s when he weighs in. Rumor is 41, 42 inch vert. That, I, what I was told is anything under 40 would be a, quote, huge disappointment. Wow. That's crazy. I can't imagine what he looks like on a basketball court. Oh, my God. Sign me up. I bet some not, NBA teams would be curious to see how he looks on a basketball court. It, it's not the basketball vertical where you get the, the step, you get the running start. That's nuts, man. So we'll see. We'll see what Will McDonald does, but it seems like he may uh, open some eyes. He crushed it down at the Senior Bowl, just like we said he was going to, because he actually got to play an edge position. But seems like he may have uh, some elite athletic traits. But my winner of the week, the number zero. Do you see this? The Philadelphia Eagles submitted an official request to the NFL Competition Committee. They would like players to be allowed to wear number zero in the NFL. And remember, what was it back in 2021? NFL made that change to allow some skilled players to wear single digits. They want zero included. And I don't think the single digit change has bothered anyone. I think we're going to see some number zeros out on NFL fields. We've seen it in college and it looks great. Eric Gray looked badass at zero, man. It was awesome. So. It feels like, how about the comeback for zero? Just a tremendous comeback. Uh, I think it's big time. I think it's, I think that the NFL's, all of their rules on numbers are extremely outdated. I don't think you need them anymore at all. I think anyone should be able to wear whatever number they want at any time. Uh, Even the eligibility, like like we know. We know who's going to be eligible by where they line up. I mean, I I guess if I, I don't know I I say the more the merrier. Let guys wear whatever they want, pretty much. Yeah, best zero ever in sports. Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard. I don't. I wouldn't even know where to go. I I don't know very many zeros. So yeah, I guess. How, how about this? So I guess I was doing a little research on this. You used to be able to wear zero and double zero in the NFL. Hall of Fame center, Jim Otto, legendary Raider. Double zero for 14 years. Dude, a center wearing double zero, that is badass. Hey, all of the practice dummies are finally getting their moment in the sun. Double zero (laughs) 
finally able to be rocked and represented on the actual playing field. Yeah, that's great. All right, let's get to my loser. Thought about going with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Went to the game that they lost to the Kings on Tuesday night. Lost four in a row. Harrison Barnes lit them up. No answer for Sabonis. Now, you're looking for the bright side. Jalen Williams is amazing, and he's going to be the absolute star in the NBA. Gideon Dort weren't as good as they needed to be in that game with SGA being out, but just need SGA to come back. They still got a legit chance at the play-in. I want him to make the play-in, Ted. LeBron's out with the foot, which doesn't seem good for the Two Lakers. Weeks, right? Two weeks yeah, before it, they At eat. least. Zion, who knows what's going to happen with him in the Pelicans. I'll, I'll believe he's back when I see him on the court. That's where I'm at with Zion. So you still got a chance, but man, we need SGA back in a big way, dude. Need him back. Need that hip flexor, abdominal, whatever to heal up. He was in he was in the safety health and safety protocol. God, I mean, come on, Shay. Come back, man. We need you. Well, it's I'm with you. I'm telling you though, I the the late season injuries that are not necessarily questionable, but you look at him and say, come on, man, really? Think there, there's always a reason for it. Seems to happen every year, but you're right. Uh, if they could get him back, they got a chance to, to play in some big-time games that matter. That'd be good. Correct. Well, my loser of the week, new Tennessee Titans GM, Rand Carson. Now, I started my career with the Tennessee Titans. I want that organization to succeed but Rand Carthen said one of the dumbest things I've ever heard a general manager say right in GMs come to the combine they speak publicly they get this platform but I could not believe my ears when I heard this Rand Carthen quote it's cute and sexy to play Golden State Warriors football in September and October when the weather is good but the teams that play in January play tough defense and run the ball Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. I, I I think it's pretty obvious I'm not a Golden State Warriors fan, right? You go back to the mid-2010s, mid there, there's a little rivalry there between my squad and the Warriors, right? And then you have the whole Durant thing, so I'm not exactly Mr. Golden State Warrior, okay? But what the hell is Rand Carthen talking about? The you golden the wrong example. The, <laughs> I know what he's saying, but he picked the wrong example. You think the Golden State Warriors <laughs> are exactly what you want to be as an organization? They have gone to six out of the last eight NBA finals. They've won four out of the last eight, and they are the current defending NBA champs. They have drafted well. Right, And they've developed those draft picks and been able to hold on to them. Drafted Steph Curry, who arguably, what, second most popular guy in the league behind LeBron? Number one among kids. So you have one of the most well-liked superstars that you drafted and developed. You drafted Klay Thompson. You drafted Draymond Green. You drafted Jordan Poole. You've added great free agents like Durant and Iguodala. You look at the way they play. 
They share the basketball extremely well. They communicate incredibly on defense. The chemistry they have is unbelievable. They've had the same coach for this entire stretch. It's literally everything you want to be as an organization. Built a new arena. Built a new arena. Have incredible investment from ownership. And have won four of eight titles. Have been to six of eight NBA Finals. Saying you don't want to play like the Golden State Warriors is literally one of the dumbest things you could say <laughs> as the leader of an organization. Uh, it is idiotic to say, no, we don't want to be that Golden State style. Dude, first of all, football and basketball are not the same thing. What are we even doing? Yeah. But the Tennessee Titans have made one Super Bowl in the history of their franchise, and they lost it. Rand Carthen. Do everything in your power to be Golden State. Go to six of eight Super Bowls, my guy. This is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard a leader of an organization say. Hey, we don't want to be like the most successful organization in that other league. That's That would suck. That's <laughs> stupid. We want to run the ball. What? What the hell are you talking about, man? Yeah, that's... Well, the teams that play in January are... I mean, it's it's simple. Great line of scrimmage play, great quarterback play. I mean, you do not need to bring the Golden State Warriors into it at all. That is, uh, that's that's not a that's not a good example. I say like seven on seven football is cute and and sexy to play early, but that is just, <laughs> that's a bad example. Uh, uh you think? I I listened to it like three or four times and watched the clip, and I was like, oh, my God, he said that with a straight face. He's not joking. I do not like the Warriors. I don't. I don't. But show them some damn respect, man. What the hell are you talking about? It is every organization's dream to have the consistency that that organization has had over the last eight years. I'm trying to think of a like trying to I'm trying to think of a, think of a worse example, example he could have given. Hey, maybe it's not the, a worse one. I'm trying to think of the right example. I I I don't even know that there there is one. I I don't I don't know. I don't know. This is what you want to be. You want to be an organization that plays your style and has tremendous success doing it. That's exactly what Golden State has done. Do you, hey, are the Chiefs not a little Golden Statey? They are. They definitely are. That's that's why I was thinking. It's like it's 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 line of scrimmage and quarterback play is is the biggest thing. And they get in yeah. a damn circle and run around like ring around the Rosie and then go run plays. If, no, but if, let's run the ball in January. Shut up, man. What? The only only thing that would make them more Golden State is if Patrick Mahomes had his mouthpiece hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> that's the only thing. It threw it every once in a while and got a penalty. Yeah, that's it. You know, Ugh. That's, that's funny. Oh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> On that note, episode 296 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Sunday. I think Creed Humphrey's going to join us, Ted. Sweet. Got to got to got to get on his sketch, but I think that uh 
Got to got to get on his calendar. He's he's a busy man. I saw that Shawnee's having like a celebration with him in town. Oh, so that's where all the Michelob Ultra is right now, Shawnee. Yeah. <laughs> they got to put him on a water tower at some point, right? If to. he's not already on one, he'll be he'll have a water tower. Either they put him on a water tower or they paint the water tower like a beer can. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have an amazing rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. We always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.